Our scripture this morning is found in Matthew's gospel. We'll just spend a couple of hours looking at it. I'm kidding. Won't be more than an hour and a half at the most. In Matthew's gospel, what I want to look at this morning in, in just a few moments is where Matthew or where Joseph found himself in this account of the birth of Jesus. And I want all of us to try to get inside Joseph's head and understand the shock that he experienced and what he did about it. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And in honor of the reading of God's word, let's stand, please. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, we love you so much, and we thank you for the reading of your perfect and infallible word in our midst this morning. God, we love you so much, and we just pray that you would speak to us out of your word this morning. Because, Lord, we, we want to hear from you. We want to know how you would have us to order our lives. And, God, we want to do what Joseph did, and that is obey you. God, we love you with all of our soul. We trust you with all of our heart. And we offer to you our love, our lives, and this prayer. In and through the name of Jesus, our risen Lord and Master. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, so this morning you have heard the, the gospel account of the birth of Jesus from three of the four gospels. Mark doesn't have a birth narrative, so you've heard uh, everything that, that, that the gospels say about the birth of Jesus. We understand that John is approaching the birth of Jesus from a different perspective than Matthew and Luke do. Uh, we, we, we heard the Luke account read this morning uh, in our Christmas play, and you just heard the, the Matthew account. Now, here's the danger for us. This is all very familiar territory for us. If we've been in church, if we grew up in church, we have heard the scriptures that have been read multiple times, okay? And the problem with that is that we tend to get a little bit familiar with them. And, and it just becomes rote to us, 
okay? I mean, I've told you in the past how I, I, I've struggled in the past that, that like, if, if I were reading a book and came to this account, maybe the author was quoting this account in the book, that I had to, had to force myself to slow down and read it. Because, listen, beloved, if the Holy Spirit prompted that author to put that text in his book or her book, then the Holy Spirit wants everyone who reads that book to read that account and to get something out of it. And so what I want us to do is to, is to just think about this account. Obviously, Luke tells us uh, the, the birth account from Mary's side of the fence, from Mary's perspective. Matthew is telling us the birth narrative from Joseph's perspective. And I told you last week that you can't think about that baby in a manger without thinking where he's going to be in 33 years. What they're going to do to him. What we're going to do to him. That we're going to put him on a cross to pay not for his sin, but to pay for our sin. I saw this on Twitter this week, and I just want to share it with you. This is not original with me. This person said the incarnation, the incarnation means he became like us. Hold on, y'all. I'm about to take you on a ride. The resurrection means that we become like him. <laughs> That'll preach. That'll preach every day of every year. That we are going to become like him. And the way that we do that is the way that Joseph did that. Joseph got some, you know, some bad news. Some bad news. Look there in verse 18. Before they came together. I don't need to take you too deep into what that means. But Joseph knows when Mary comes to him and says, Baby cakes. I'm preggers. That he's going, My name ain't Hosea, but you must be Gomer. Because it ain't mine. It ain't mine. How dare you? How dare you? That's going through his mind. This is not good news for him. But it tells us that Joseph was a righteous man. He loved her. And he didn't want to disgrace her. The last thing he wanted, listen, in his mind, she's already got enough on her plate. Okay? Because even though he's not going to disgrace her, everybody else in church, I mean everybody else in town, is going to. They're going to call her all of those names. And let me tell you something, beloved. They don't sound any better in Hebrew than they do in, in English. Okay? They're going to call her all kinds of mean things. In fact, she is in danger of being stoned for adultery. Because it is obvious that she has had relations outside of marriage with another man. And Joseph could have demanded. And there might even be some in, 
in the town that would say, if Joseph won't step up and do it, I will. Don't you love how you can always find somebody that has no interest in grace? They have no interest in grace. Somebody gets caught in a sin, and oh, they want to make it public for all the world to, to know. They want to burn them up. They want to wear them out. They want to withhold all kind of, of fellowship from them. Joseph, being a righteous man, and not wanting to make her sin public, planned to send her away secretly. Secretly. These rumors about Mary are going to follow her the rest of Jesus' life. John 8 9. They were saying to him, where's your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. You know what they're doing? Verse 14. Or 41, you were doing the deeds of your father, they said to him. We were not born of fornication. <laughs> you understand where that's coming from? They're talking smack about Jesus' mama. They're saying, my mama wasn't a whore like yours was. We know who our daddy is. Do you even know who your daddy is? That's what they're saying to him. Joseph obviously is troubled with this. But somewhere in his heart, he knows 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Somebody say amen. Amen. Love covers a multitude of sins. Aren't you, listen, aren't you glad that you didn't get put out of the church the first time you made a mistake? Hello? I mean, there'd be a pretty big echo in here. It wouldn't be coming from me. Because if I'd been put out of the church the first time I made a mistake, <laughs> love covers a multitude of sins. Verses 20 and 21. Jesus' birth required a special revelation from God. You know what? I'm related to somebody famous. I don't know who it is, but somewhere in my family tree there has to be somebody famous. Amen? I mean, and it's got to be true of y'all too. Somebody in your family tree has got to be famous at some level for something. But, you know, I don't know about it, or if I did, I've forgotten about it. Joseph, the reason that Matthew tells us, gives us this account from Joseph's perspective is because Matthew is writing primarily to Jewish people. And this would have been very important to them. You'll notice we didn't go over the genealogy. But Matthew's genealogy traces all the way back to Adam, and he talks about following that line through David. That's important. Through David. And so the angel says, Joseph, son of David. Hallelujah. 
had to remind him of that. Had to remind him of that. Joseph, you are a son of David. Now, run that up your flagpole and see who salutes it. Because what he's saying is you know the prophecies as well as everybody else. Why does Joseph know the prophecies? Remember what we just read a minute ago? Joseph was what? A righteous man. A righteous man. That means that he studied the Scripture, he knew them. And, he, and the angel says, Joseph, you are a son of David. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because you remember that baby... You remember Isaiah 7.14 where Isaiah said out of a virgin Emmanuel is going to come. Mary is the one. And she is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. No human man has touched her. She's still a virgin. And so don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. He wants Joseph to understand the predicament that he's in and to give him the strength because, listen, beloved, those rumors ain't going to go away. The good church folk of Joseph's day are going to continue talking smack about his wife. They're going to continue to call her the most horrible names. Just barely loud enough so that she or Joseph or Jesus will be able to hear what they're saying. Or when they walk into a room and everybody goes, you don't have to read lips to know what they're saying, to know what they're talking about and to be hurt by it. And the angel is getting Joseph ready for that and saying, Joseph, I want you to understand I want you to understand that this is the Messiah. This is the child that Isaiah prophesied. You know, dads, I, I, I don't know what it's like for moms, but dads, you know, when that first child came along, did you not feel overwhelmed? Were you not like, I'm going to be a daddy? And then you go, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a daddy. <laughs> you know, how am I going to do that? And now Joseph is going, I'm going to be a daddy. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be a daddy to Emmanuel. How do I do that? i tell you how you do it. Verses 24 and 25. Joseph got alone with the Lord. Joseph listened to what God said to him and he obeyed him. He obeyed him. It it listen, despite the appearances, despite what people were going to say about him, his wife and his son, Joseph purposed in his heart that he was going to do what God had told him to do. And so Joseph did exactly what God said, despite it all. Now, listen, beloved. Through our relationship with Jesus, 
we have become part of something far larger than us. I don't know about you, but I sat over there watching these children, and I couldn't have been prouder if they were all my children, okay? In essence, they are all my children, right? All right? But we become part of something far bigger than ourselves. You just, you just saw a few minutes ago little children in a village, a remote village in Belize, being blessed because of something you did. Something that you became a part of. We may not always understand where God is leading or exactly what He's doing. But we must submit to His will for our lives. I want to be used by God, and I know all of you do as well. I want to be like Joseph and identify with my Lord. I want the world to know that Jesus came, that He lived, that He died, and He rose again to provide for our salvation. Beloved, Jesus was born with a purpose. He came to earth to die, not for His sin, but for the sin of the world. Jesus was born to provide for our redemption. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.19 said, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Here's what blows your mind. Not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. That's the Christmas message, beloved. We are saved so that we can tell. We are filled with joy so that we can be instruments of His joy in other people's lives. And that, beloved, is the message of Christmas. And that is why we can rejoice.